If you have an idea that is different from mine, my natural tendency as a human being is to say, I think that my idea is better than yours. If a person challenges your view, are you open to it? The Brilliant People Podcast is brought to you by Assertitude, an executive search firm recruiting leaders for companies undergoing transformation. I'm Jacqueline DiChiara. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome. I'm Scott Jacobs. I'm one of the partners at Assertitude in our technology practice. I'm very excited to be here today with Francesca Gina, the author of a book that I found fascinating about rebel talent. She's a tenured professor at Harvard. She has been recognized as one of the top 40 business professors under 40. She's one of the 50 most influential management thinkers. Thank you for taking the time to spend with us to talk a little bit about what you really mean by rebel talent. It is wonderful to be here. Very good. Okay, so I have to tell you something. We do executive search. And I know that one of the worst things I can do when I'm introducing a potential candidate to a client is say, you're going to really like Jill. She's just a little bit of a rebel. And they immediately close the book on Jill and say, let's talk about the next person. So I'd like you to explain to me why it is that we need more Jills than less Jills in this world. What's the definition of rebel to you? I think as it's clear from your example, we need to shift our thinking about the rebels. We think of rebels as those people who are contrarians, or sometimes we use even worse labels for them. We call them jerks or show-offs. I'm not suggesting that those are not qualities that exist in the world. They do. But the rebels that I decided to study follow, try to get inspired by are people who are driving positive change in the context in which they operate. So sure, they push boundaries, sure, they break rules, but they're not doing so out of a desire to break the rules for the sake of breaking rules. They're pushing the boundaries and breaking rules when rules, in fact, should be questions because the rules are holding them back. So an example that comes to mind for me is an Italian chef. His name is Massimo Bottura. And Bottura went into a context where you're not supposed to touch the rules because it's traditional Italian dishes. But he went in with curiosity and started asking questions and say, why is it that we cook the dish this way? Maybe it made sense 20 years ago, but not today. So he had the courage to come up with something innovative based on where we are today. And I see way too many Jills passed over because we are afraid of that change. We're afraid of asking deep questions about the way we work or the way we approach work. And so I would say, let's give space to those Jills that when they're coming in with curiosity, wanting to contribute in a positive way by asking questions about ways of working that we're taking for granted. So a rebel is someone who asks a lot of questions, but what about the rule-breaking part? Mm -hmm. What happens next? What happens next? So when I was studying effective rebels, so people were bringing about constructive change, I have noticed that across many different contexts, they tended to have five quality. I call them the rebel talents. One is, in fact, curiosity. So rather than taking 
usual ways of working for granted. You ask questions, you mm. raise all sorts of possibilities that might lead to change. They also have a desire to embrace novelty. So rather than sitting with what's comfortable and familiar, they're okay embracing the new. But they also have three other talents that are important. One is authenticity. So rather than being afraid to contribute your ideas, your perspective, they bring that out. And then they have perspective. And then they embrace diversity. So it's not that they trash the idea or the ways of working that exist. They want to understand them better and then add to the discussion or to the problem a different perspective. And so that to me is important. When I see rebels going wrong is that they're pushing boundaries or they're breaking existing ways of working, those rules without a deep understanding of what's there and why. So let's make this very concrete. Let's go to a context that is heavily regulated. The culture is really all about don't rock the boat. So this is the Air Force in the United States. Could be true of many other organizations across the globe who are rigid, hierarchical, bureaucratic. Those are the words that we would use to describe them. A new leader came into a particular squadron in the Air Force here in the United States. It's called Squadron 99. And he looked at the current ways of working and said, look, if we really want to be true to our mission, which is to be combat ready, we need to do things differently. We need to innovate. We need to push the boundaries. But he asked everyone in his group to go and study regulation. So those were the constraints. And within those constraints, we can break the rules in the sense of thinking differently about what we do. And if you actually look at the number of innovations that came out of that group under that leader, pretty remarkable. And again, it's not about breaking regulation, it's about moving away from the usual and sometimes old ways of working within whatever constraints we have and we're working with. Is there a dark side to the rebel? One of the questions that I get asked a lot that makes me smile always is what is that magic percentage the number of rebels that we need to have in the group or in the organization and i always say it's a hundred percent and usually that gets the scary look of saying i'm going to stop listening to you or i want to know more why a hundred percent and the hundred percent is that if you think about the qualities that i just shared authenticity diversity perspective curiosity and novelty There is nothing scary about them. They allow us within those constraints of boundaries that we define as leaders, they allow us to get to higher levels of performance, more innovative ways of thinking, more creativity, because people feel differently about their work. They feel energized by it rather than thinking that works just sucks. I have no better way of saying it, but that's the reality of a lot of people. And if we re-energize them by allow them to bring these qualities out, then we're going to fare much better and they themselves are going to thrive. So that's why I'm saying 100%. But as leaders in this organization, let's be clear on where the boundaries and constraints are. What are the rules that should not be touched? And within those rules, let's all operate with a little bit more 
rebelliousness. <laughs> Fantastic. I first was thinking about this concept about having people who are always questioning the rules, thinking outside of the box. I thought to myself, I don't know I would ever hire somebody who's a big rebel for their first job. Because your first job is really about learning the ways, learning how to perform. And then somewhere around the CEO, you can't always have the CEO who's always trying to change directions and ask questions. So somewhere in the middle of the organization is what I call peak rebel. Am I thinking about this the right way? Do you want rebels at all levels in the organization? So there is a piece of data that might surprise you that I collected recently in some of the work I was doing with my colleagues around a specific uh, talent, and it was curiosity. What we see in our data is that if you look at the number of years of experience that you have under your belt and how that is associated with curiosity, the relationship and the correlation really is a negative one. That gave me a lot of pause because I thought, similar to you, I thought that you come in and you heads down, let's learn about the environment and let's make sure that I consistently can show good performance in the way that is defined here in the organization. And then as I gain more experience, I'm feeling freer to own it and push the boundaries and experiment and come up with innovative solutions to whatever problem is crossing my way. But the data suggests is that the more experience you have, the more you become comfortable with staying within the line. Unless, and that's the interesting part, unless you have humility. So it reminds me of a story of Captain Sally Sallenberger. This is the guy who on a very cold evening back in 2009, ditched a plane with 155 passengers in the Hudson River. He had 208 seconds to make a decision. That's the time that he had when he discovered that there was no thrust in the engine. The plane hit a group of geese, and so they started having some problems. <laughs> and then the time he actually ditched the plane in the Hudson River. And the reason why I'm thinking of him is that in that moment, he did something really remarkable and quite creative. Rather than going to the obvious answer of landing the plane at the closest airport, he landed the plane in the Hudson River. And it's interesting that he had that ability under stress and time pressure and feeling the responsibility of all the passengers on the plane to think creatively about the problem and to consider all sorts of options. I was curious about it. So I reached out to him. I interviewed him. He was very generous with his time. And what I discovered that he was clearly an expert by the time the accident happened, but he has always looked at his expertise and experience, not as a signal that he knew a lot, but as a signal that there was more to learn. So he had this beautiful posture that, I don't know, Scott, you tell me, but I don't see in a lot of leaders. I don't see in a lot of executives. He had this posture of staying curious, of gaining experience, but also holding on to his humility. I think it's much easier to just gain experience and say, I have the answers. And in whatever situations are in front of me, I put it forward. And so I think that you're right in saying that often I don't see a lot of rebelliousness mm. or don't see as much as I would like to see at higher levels in the organization. But in truth, I often don't see it in middle management either because it's so easy to just get comfortable with what we know. 
And so yeah. I say, let's push the boundaries a bit. Let's bring out that curiosity. Let's just ask more questions. Fantastic. When one of the things we're always looking for is how people reacted in stressful situations. Markets were crashing. Companies were running into financial issues, whatever it was. And you do find that most people, when the going gets tough, they go to the rules rather than when the going gets tough, they seek the creativity. It's hard to find that one person who's lifting their head up and looking around when everybody else is rushing off in a direction. Is that what you mean by, by rebels? Absolutely. That ability to think differently, to stay curious, even in moments of crisis. And I look back, speaking of crisis, since we've all been through one that is still ongoing, With my colleagues, we followed about 8,000 employees. And what we found is that maybe not surprising for a lot of them, the experience of work has changed and satisfactions and working engagement went down unless you were a person who was able to come to work with your posture towards curiosity, always saying, what's the opportunity here? Yes, I wouldn't have chosen to be in such a moment of crisis, but what's the opportunity? What it is that I'm learning out of this new reality? And when we dig deeper to try to understand why is it that some employees have this posture, have this curious mindset, and some don't, it came down to who is their boss? And if you're a person who has a leader whose narrative is, I can't wait to go back to work. Or I can't wait for us to have the type of lives that we had pre-COVID. Those are leaders who are not faring that great on curiosity. But those leaders are saying, okay, we're in this. How are we doing things differently in a way that might actually lead us to embrace whatever is the next chapter differently? Inspiring that curious mindset in their employees in a way that allows them to experience work as satisfying, despite the fact that there might be under all sorts of new responsibilities and constraints. So if I'm a senior leader and I'm looking across my team. I, I got two questions here, so bear with me. One is, how do I define and, and nurture and develop that rebel talent in my team? Obviously, you can teach them to ask questions by showing that and demonstrating it with your behavior. Mm-hmm. Are there other techniques that you know of that help people develop those positive rebel techniques? One that is very simple is giving people learning goals in addition to performance goals. Most of us have developmental plans. Sometimes they're actually quite formal in terms of processes that we have around defining our goals for the year. In addition to performance goals, let's identify learning goals. When we do so, we not only help people retain their curiosity, we're actually giving them the opportunity to perform at higher levels. This is super cheap, simple, not that disruptive as a strategy to use. Yeah. So I'm having a hard time understanding why you want to do something like this in whatever context you operate in. So that's definitely one. The second one is be more open to the extent that is possible to different perspectives. This comes down to the level of a meeting or to the level of an interaction. And I think a lot about an idea that comes from improv comedy theaters. 
I spent okay. quite a bit of time uh, looking at how collaborations happens in this context. They tend to be very agile, adapt quickly. And one of the principle is curiosity and judgment can't coexist. That I think is quite profound because let's imagine that we're in a meeting, we're thinking through the next steps and you have an idea that is different from mine. My natural tendency as a human being is to say, you know what? I think that my idea is better than yours. I judge it and then I fight you generally. And instead, if we have this curious posture, I want to learn. Why is it that Scott has such a different perspective than mine? What does he know that I don't know? Or what is the data that he's looking at? And so it's such a helpful and a healthy approach to broaden perspective when we're looking at problems. So, so I think a lot about that and having now been in hundreds of meetings, just observing as this neutral person who then gives some feedback and coaches leaders, I think that there is a lot that we could do to leave judgment to the side and instead embrace curiosity. Fantastic. Curiosity tends to take emotion out of it, out of discussion as well. If you know that I'm generally curious about this topic that we're talking about, whether I have a judgment or not, it's the conversation tends to flow a bit and you don't get all the little side expressions that shut things down. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, you probably like me gets a lot of questions about how to create an environment where people bring their contributions and ideas forward. <laughs> the first step is not to judge their ideas or their contributions when they're coming out in the conversation, especially when there is a power differential. And so I'm the more powerful person uh, in the room. And I think a lot about our missed opportunity in terms of what we fail to learn when we're in judgment mode. Mm. There, there is a lot that we miss out on that could be helpful to us in terms of learning about each other, finding ways to connect at a different level or even collaborate. Sometimes I share with people a personal story that comes from my dating days with my husband, now husband. And at the time, we really go back like 10 years, 11, 12 years. When we first started spending weekends together, it was like a big deal. And I remember vividly the first weekend, beautiful day in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I'm thinking about all possible ideas on what it is that we could be doing to spend time together. And so drink limoncello together in the north end or go on a bike ride along the Charles River, go to a park and just read and relax. And as I'm having all this beautiful idea from my perspective, I walk towards the living room and I see my now husband pick up the remote control and sit down and watch TV. And I was like, I'm usually a really calm person, but I was outraged by the scene and I just walked away in anger. I did this for two weekends, same scene. And I said, you know what? I'm judging here. Let's be curious instead. So I sat down with them and I said, what are you watching? Why is that interesting to you? And what I discovered is that, especially when he has very stressful weeks of work, he loves to sit down and watch the type of movies they used to watch with his dad. His dad passed away when he was very young 
And it was a big loss for my husband. And I sat with myself as I was hearing what he had to say about this, thinking how silly it was of me to just stay in judgment and what I failed to learn about him by staying in judgment. And so it's a great reminder of how you can connect with others differently when you understand their perspective better. And so I try to stay true to this idea of making sure that I'm curious rather than judgmental. That's a great example. Great example. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about judgment, curiosity, thinking outside of the box, a little bit about developing the next generation of rebels. We're in the business of careers and helping people manage their careers. And you do see some people who are transformation agents. They want to come in and make a change, whether that's a turnaround, whether that's a company that's going through a merger and acquisition. And I'm wondering, do rebels have long careers in one place or do rebels tend to have to jo- you know, hop jobs every two years because at the end of the day, they've solved this problem and now it's getting a little boring and they need a bit more of an adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. So what I do know from data that my colleagues and I collected is that some of the elements that make you a rebel, like curiosity would be one perspective, would be another, helps you progress in your career in a way that is more fluid. And part of it is that you're more okay with the idea of creating connections with others in your organizations and rely on those connections when needed. So when it's time to gather support or look for information that you don't have. What Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I have reached out to a couple of field partners to see if it's possible to explore this is if you start jumping jobs more quickly because of the eagerness to bring about change. So it's a question that needs to be explored that I don't have an answer to yet. But what I do know that I think it's important in terms of career management is that you're going to have an easier time managing your career and finding the support and mentorship that you need if you are a rebel because of that curiosity that makes networking more natural for you. Rebels often reach out to others with the, I wonder what I'm curious about, and makes the triggering of a connection feel less instrumental, but much more natural. And so I would say, let's embrace it. Let's all be more like rebels. I like that. So I'll have to convince my clients that they need to be hiring more rebels. Usually they want to hire a transformational leader or someone who can work through a project, which is a bit of a challenge. And Scott, I'm curious, since you talk to a lot of these leaders who express that their desire, but then are they true to it? Once we have the rebel in the business, once we hire the person who has a different perspective, do we value their contributions? There are feel that more work needs to be done, but you might have a different perspective. One of the things that happens in the corporate environment, and I was struck by your second example in the Air Force versus your first example about someone opening up. A restaurant has no defined goal in mind other than to stay in business and to allow the chef to express his creativity. Mm-hmm. Most of the corporations will say, we have to reduce costs or we're losing customers and so drastically that we've got to change things. And the goal is relatively narrowly defined. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm struggling with is you talk about all these rebels who are thinking outside of the box and curious and driving innovation, channeling it appropriately towards the specific goal that a corporate might have. Any examples of that? 
that we could learn from? Yeah, and as I'm thinking broadly at your question, the goals that you're putting into our discussions are goals that are likely to evolve in reactions to the environment that is changing on us. If you look at some of the surveys that have been conducted on leaders across all sectors and say, what are the skills that you think are going to be most valuable? I think it plays two or three is active learning. So it comes from that desire of wanting people to adapt quickly. We don't do that well, but rebels do. And so let's embrace them for the sake of knowing that they're quick to adapt, no matter what the goal given to them is. It's not the creative environment that helps rebels thrive. Is any environment where a rebellious spirit could be helpful. So for instance, when I think about Pulse Sudden Service, their goal is to execute to excellence. And they really mean it. So if you look at how long it takes them to serve a customers, most of their stores are drive-through. At a competitor's, is a couple of minutes. There at Pulse, it takes 15 to 18 seconds to serve a customer. So they're fast and you might say, okay, they're fast, but they make a lot of errors. Not really. At a place like McDonald's or Wendy's, some of their big competitors, you should expect an error every dozens of orders. At PALS, you have an error every 3,600 orders. So again, they're really interested and true to the idea of executing to excellence. And yet they, think very carefully about, even in a context like that one, how do we keep people on their toes? So how do we make sure that people stay curious? So they have some simple challenges for their people. One of them could be for the person who sits in the window taking orders. Uh, This is actually a true one. It was a challenge given to a person. And the challenge was, if you can remember a hundred orders in a row from repeat customers, there is going to be a special reward. And Pals has a lot of repeat customers. So these are people who eat there five, six times a week. So even in a context where the goal is make money by executing to excellence, they think carefully about how to bring out novelty and curiosity and perspective. And so it comes down to leaders ready to embrace that mindset and that way of being. That's really interesting because if you're talking about encouraging frontline workers in a fast food restaurant Mm -hmm. in this way and driving that sort of performance, I think it's really interesting. It brings about the question of developing the next generation of rebel leaders. How do you develop these people Mm -hmm. other than encouraging them to do the learning? You talked a little bit before about playing to people's strengths. I don't know if, if you had any comments about what they do, especially around how they develop their people or what's the art of being a rebel manager? Yeah, so you demonstrate this behavior. So that is something that you said in passing that I think deserves to be highlighted. Are you modeling this behavior in a meeting? Are you the first one asking why question or how could we, rather than just sitting with the opinion that seems to be the strong and dominant one in the meeting? Are you one valuing different perspectives? If a person challenges your view, are you open to it? Do you actually show appreciation for the fact that somebody 
try to say something different. So these are really small behaviors that can make a huge difference in terms of what you're trying to show and value in the organization. And then there are possibly even bigger opportunities. Are you explicit in what you're trying to see in the behaviors that people bring forward in the organization? I was thinking about an example from Pixar. At that time when the organization was growing fast, they were hiring a lot of people. And these newcomers, if you will, were sitting in meetings with very experienced directors were behind quite successful films. And so people were not suggesting their ideas. And an attentive leader at Capmo, who's the co-founder and he was three times president at Pixar, decided to intervene. And so he started going to welcoming sessions and say to people, look, let me tell you some stories of how Pixar failed in the past or how even very experienced directors made bad calls. And he was doing that intentionally to say, we need to hear from you. You might not have all of the experience that they have, but your ideas are important. And so I think it requires intentionality. What are the opportunities where we can clearly show that different ways of thinking are in fact valued? by us as leaders and by the organizations more broadly. When we speak to senior leaders, especially ones who've been very successful, you know, they always use the word we rather than I. They always mm-hmm. talk about the power of the team. And most of them will tell us that more than 50% of their time is just spent on developing the people in their team and making sure that because they don't know all the answers, that they're getting the best information so they can make the best decisions. And, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to add to that the list of being as innovative as possible, because I think if they have that curiosity as well, then that's when you can start being innovative as a senior leader. I love the fact that you're putting a a clear percentage around the time spent developing others. It's like half of what you do in your work. I think there are lots of leaders who are not ready for that or where they're thinking that it's more like 10% and I spend 90% on my own role and task. It's quite a shift. And quite an ask. Uh, And And I think that many leaders are not ready for that. When you talk about sudden service, right? There's no way for the manager of the restaurant to both take the order, cook the order, deliver the order, take the cash and get the customer on the way in 18 seconds. If it's not the team, then it's nobody. And one of the things that might (laughs) surprise many, if you were and spent some time in these drive-throughs, One of the people you see quite often is the leader in the store, is in the trenches with everyone else, and he uses opportunities of behaviors on the job to course correct and coach. So it's quite remarkable, actually, to think about how much time they spend on the ground with the very people who they're trying to develop. Senior leaders, they like to look at other people as role models, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd love to be a CEO like. Elon Musk. I'd like to be a CEO like Steve Jobs. I'd like to be a CEO, enter the name. And I would ask you, maybe you can give us some examples. When people think of rebels, they're thinking of CEOs that are breaking the rules, that are rewriting their playbooks, that are doing all these things, sometimes with a bit of a devil-may-care attitude, right? Mm -hmm. Who are some of the CEOs that you would say are rebels by your definition and maybe who aren't and what might surprise us? Mm -hmm. So top of the list, despite the fact that it's a business, not 
in the usual way we think of it, but it is a company and an organization. This Italian chef and owner of Osteria Francescana is there for the way it truly has constructive rebelliousness in his DNA. He talks about traditions as well-received experiments, tradition as being built for being rebuilt. I just think that it's a fresh breath air. But going to a very different type of organization, another person who I would put on the list is the CEO of Microsoft. The fact that in his journey of cultural transformation, it was quite courageous of saying the company is sick. These are his own word. The employees are tired. They're behaving as if every interaction is an opportunity for them to show how smart they are. We need to think differently. And so he came up with the idea of centering the new culture around the growth mindset. I love that. The courage, how he did it, the fact that he needed to be persistent, and the fact that he hit refresh with a very clear uh, yeah. vision. So it would definitely be another one that comes to mind for me. I would also put another Italian CEO. His name is Brunello Cuccinelli, and he's the CEO of a company with the same name. And I find him interesting for many different reasons, the clarity of the vision, the doing things differently, but also in this appreciation of perspective. So for him, that meant that important roles in the organization, whether it's CFO or CEO, needs to be shared. So there are currently three CEOs. They're quite different, not only in the strengths that they have, but also in their age on purpose, yes. because we want to serve a market that is wide. And so him, I believe he's in his 60s, wants to make sure that he have fresher visions represented in the role. And so it's quite interesting to think of what he's doing as quite rebellious. So he brought color to Kashmir, but also how he tends to be true to the idea of widening perspective in important leadership positions in the firm. Humor us a little bit. I want to know what first comes to your mind. So the first one is purpose is living life with joy. That what comes to mind. Okay. Leadership is be more like pirates because pirates on these ships were asking themselves, how is it that they had to earn their position on a day-to-day basis? Pirates could be removed by their crew. And so I always think about what would leadership look like if that's the question that we were asking ourselves, that we need to prove that we deserve to be there. We need to earn respect on a day-to-day basis. Ah, that's interesting. Also a bit of a rebel response because it wasn't short, but it was worth the wait. I perform at my best when... When I'm authentic. When I'm thinking about not pleasing the audience, but being who I am. Brilliance is? Staying curious. Having that way of asking questions in the world without the worry of being judged. As kids, we used to do that all the time. I so want to know what you would answer to the question brilliance is. What would you say, Scott? If somebody asked me very quickly, brilliance is instinctive insight. Absolutely. Listen, this has been a real treat for me to spend some time with you. We're about 
building leaders and helping our customers change things through the talent we can help them bring. And the next time someone says to me, we're not sure we want a rebel, I'm going to say, ah, but yes, you do. And now I have plenty of ammunition to explain why. Thank you, Scott, for helping me share these ideas. Love the work that you do and very much enjoyed our conversation. That's the end of our show. If you found our insights valuable, we'd so appreciate you subscribing, leaving a review, or sharing the show online using the hashtag BrilliantPeopleAtWork. Tag us on social media at Assertitude and let us know what resonated with you, what you learned, or any inspiring insights you're going to start incorporating into your life. Check us out online at Assertitude.com. Until next time, stay brilliant at work and everywhere.